0: It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about food preservation. Our present-day food processing industry has its roots in thousands of years of trying to preserve foods for use at a later time. For example, during winter months after harvest or after a successful hunt for a woolly mammoth that simply couldn't be eaten all at once. Probably the first method utilized was to simply dehydrate meats, fruits, or vegetables in the sun. Once most foods are dried out, bacterial decay and decomposition are slowed dramatically, allowing for relatively long-term storage. Some foods can be eaten dry, like beef jerky, while others can be rehydrated, such as vegetables and making soups. Somewhere in our early history, The use of salt for food preservation became common when someone discovered that packing fish or meat in layers of salt would bring spoilage pretty much to a grinding halt. The salt dehydrates food by drawing water out, plus the salt itself inhibits bacterial decay. When the food was ready to be eaten, it was important to soak the food in water, often several times, not only to rehydrate it, but also to reduce the salt content. In fact, the historical value of salt used in many societies as money came from its value as a food preservative, not as a dinner table condiment that we use and abuse today. Another time-honored technique is smoking foods to preserve them, a process that not only extends the storage of foods, but generally adds a distinctive flavor like smoked turkey, hams, bacon, and salmon. The history of canned foods began in the early 1800s when the French government offered a prize of 1,200 francs, big bucks in those days, for the invention of a way to preserve foods for the French army. The prize was won in 1809 for a process using wide mouth glass bottles that were corked and heated in boiling water to preserve vegetables, meats, fruits, and milk. The next step came in 1819 with a patent for using steel cans instead of fragile glass bottles. In 1858, an American named John Mason invented the heavy glass jar that could withstand repeated high temperature processing. It still bears his name in common usage as the Mason jar. Modern frozen foods started with Clarence Birdseye in 1912 when he began freezing fish to keep them fresh. Mr. Birdseye started selling a line of frozen foods in 1930 but he ran into a little problem at first. The problem was that grocers weren't willing to invest in freezers to keep his foods frozen. As a result, his market was pretty limited until the rationing of World War II put severe limitations on the metal used in canned goods. Since his frozen foods were packaged in cardboard and wax paper, not metal, a whole new market was opened up for frozen foods that continues today. The most modern experiment in food preservation is to irradiate food with high-energy radiation to kill bacteria and retard spoilage. This process has some technical appeal since it's relatively cheap, but the public's interest has been, at best, limited by the idea of eating food bombarded by radiation. More information about food preservation is available from Back Home Magazine. Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW, Spindale, North Carolina, with support from Air Check Incorporated, on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks.
1: I was going to get all intense about, you know, are you ready for the end of the world? But then I've got this laid back song for background. Like, you know, it's a a long day in paradise, right? (laughs) So this is Ord Energy Mon, And this is Tree Song. And um, we are your community spirit. We just got a book in the mail. We normally get books from like two different publishers, and this is a publisher I've never heard of, and they randomly sent us a book.
2: Uh, Yeah, we must be that famous.
1: It's called Rooftop Revolution. How solar power can save our economy and our planet from dirty energy. And I like this acronym. It's King Kong with a C. C C-O-N-G stands for coal, oil, nuclear, and gas. Uh, Yeah. So um, powerful forces are still arrayed against solar power. America needs a rooftop revolution to break the entrenched power of the coal, oil, and nuclear and natural gas industries which the author Danny Kennedy calls King Kong.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh Danity Kennedy is the founder of Sungevity which is one of the biggest and fastest growing uh residential solar power companies in the nation. So he has won like tons and tons of awards uh, including the 2011 Innovator of the Ward by uh PBS Planet Forward. Um You don't have to be an energy expert to see how strong the case for solar power is. The industry employs 100,000 people and twice as many in 2009 and twice as many as there are coal miners. Oh, yeah. And uh, 2011, Warren Buffett actually invested $2 billion in a solar farm. And around the time Solinger went bust, General Electric bought a startup solar manufacturer announcing... Quote, by 2020, this is going to be at least a $1 billion product line. Production of solar-generated electricity rose by 45% in the first three quarters of 2010, while electricity from natural gas rose by 1.6%, and coal declined by 4.2%. Mm-hmm. So this is um, a book called Rooftop Revolution, How Solar Power Can Save Our Economy and Our Planet from Dirty Energy. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Sounds like Renewables Are Ready.
1: Yeah, that's another book. <laughs> that was a book from like 10 years ago called yeah. Renewables Are Ready.
2: Maybe people will listen this time. So, And I like the, the sort of the King Kong acronym and the, the story that they're telling because, you know, it, it makes common sense to just start using more renewables. But people need a story to understand the change, you know.
1: Yeah, well, a, I mean. A lot of
2: people, they get more excited if they hear a story about it.
1: I mean, you think about it. Um, you know fossil fuels have only been around for a hundred years, yeah. really. renewable energy was around before that, but it it's now making a comeback but realistically, I would say um solar electric at least has only been around for about ten years, yeah, so.
2: And part of why, I mean, part of why there is such entrenched uh, power behind coal and oil is at the time it first started, it made such a big change in the way we use energy. You know, it was a big deal, you know, when they suddenly started using coal and oil to create the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's a good idea now. <laughs> you know, times change.
1: Man, you're a revolutionary.
2: <laughs> I, I may be a rooftop revolutionary. If I <laughs> you get up on a rooftop.
1: You haven't even read the book yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not
2: yet. So, so. you got to be psyched up just with the description.
1: So this is Your Community Spirit. We are available online at yourcommunityspirit.org. If you would like to send us happenings, thoughts, ideas, and money, uh, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We at Your Community Spirit would like to wish a warm welcome to all the new and returning students, faculty, staff, and others associated with the universities locally um we'd also like to welcome of course the com- the community members who just like split town
2: I uh, mean, yeah some yeah, yeah some people even if they're not related to the school they leave town during the summer
1: right and so if this is your first time listening to your community spirit we are an envirosocial talk show if this is not your first time i'm sorry you have to listen to us i yeah. mean we, we talk about serious issues but we try to be funny yeah don't we don't do try we are.
2: sometimes we succeed sometimes we don't
1: well if we crack ourselves up we're funny
2: right? <laughs> yeah
1: so um we look forward to seeing you on the radio yes
2: <laughs> we can see you on the radio yeah. we have that power
1: so let's get to the news
2: yes the news all right. Let's start with this one. Uh, I, I've heard there's this there's some convention going on somewhere. Uh, I don't know in Florida, some political convention. Have you heard about that?
1: The only way I heard about it is I saw this picture of a giant storm swallowing uh-huh. the convention, and the storm looks like a uterus.
2: <laughs> yeah, I heard about that.
1: Yeah, it's just like the the GOP pissed off Mother Earth, and Mother Earth was just like, <laughs> I'm going to take you over.
2: <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta take back. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the, late, the latest I heard was uh, Clint Eastwood yelling at a chair. It was very kind of strange. Yeah, Clint Eastwood, he was pretending Obama was in the chair. He was sort of having a senior moment, you know. What? <laughs> I, I, that's you can't, hilarious. You can't make this stuff up. He's talking to a chair, pretending like it's Obama. And it's, it's like a little voice in his head that interrupts him as he's talking. <laughs> it was very strange.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> so.
2: so that's the celebrity endorsement of the Republican National Convention is uh, Clint Eastwood talking to a chair. <laughs> But uh, what's interesting, though, is that most of the corporate media has been strictly focusing on what's going on inside the RNC. Uh, But there are stories about things that are going on outside. Uh, You might not know this, but there are activists protesting outside the Republican Act.
1: It's like the the biggest protest in a long time, I mean.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, there. you know, Occupy is involved, other people are involved, and uh, it's people, people trying to have their voices heard instead of just a handful of people inside the convention.
1: Now, the corporate media has been covering speeches by the many delegates for the past few days, but there's a disturbing trend that has cropped up in one media outlet's coverage. MSNBC has apparently cut away from or simply not aired the speeches of many of the minority speakers. In unconfirmed reports, I heard that Fox was doing the same thing. So some are accusing MSNBC of liberal bias by trying to make it seem as though the RNC is racist against minorities. Huh. Now I can tell you very clearly that I was at the Mitt Romney thing in Ohio, and they were handpicking minorities out of the crowd and taking them to the front of the. <laughs> I mean, there yeah. was there was a an Asian student who was standing next to me. Apparently, I don't look like enough of a minority. <laughs> you know, of course, I wasn't dressed very nice. I was working, you know, yeah. as a solar person, and so I was in work clothes. Yeah, but yeah, they grabbed the asian lady next to me and brought her to the front so she would or you know between the cameras and um where he spoke so
2: yeah they might have said uh oh, he looks a little too hardworking. working <laughs> we don't need him by the front there
1: <laughs> so that's pretty interesting so not only is the you know the corporate media not showing the protesters at all they are actually starting to slant the actual news that is at you know, the actual speakers.
2: Yeah, so. you know it's bad when, you know, I'm not too surprised by them only focusing on, on what's going on inside. But to take it to the point of not even showing all of what's going inside because they want to slant it, I mean, that's, that's getting pretty ridiculous. So, that's the fair and balanced coverage.
1: So let's head back to the RNC for a shouting match. No, literally. <laughs> a bit of a standoff occurred between Romney supporters and Ron Paul supporters, ending with Romney potentially alienated all of Paul's very passionate crowd. They were apparently trying and oddly succeeding in doing voice votes on rules during this crazy shouting match.
2: Huh.
1: Like, it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> so. It's
2: a lot of contention there. Uh, oh, yeah, this, this is an interesting one. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the RNC, uh, you've probably heard of a little area called Romneyville. This encampment is full of two groups of people, out-of-state protesters, and Florida's homeless. Uh, there's, we've got a story here, if you subscribe to our newsletter, that details how the two groups are getting along and why some of the homeless people appreciate occupiers. And that's, that's something that is interesting that's come up in other Occupy events around the country. You know, If you have people gathering in a public place to make a political statement, you also often have homeless people who don't have a home who are also in a public place anyway. So then the two meet each other and uh, they negotiate space and figure out what their relationship is.
1: Lastly, here's a confrontation worth looking at. The title of the article says, quote, Protesters shout vulgar slurs at Baptists, end quote. That sounds horrible. Yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Now, it's a bit misleading. These Baptists aren't just any Baptists. If you click on the link to the article, you will find out it's Occupy versus... The Westboro Baptist Church.
2: Dun dun dun. (laughs) Yeah, that's that. That does put it in a certain context because the Westboro Baptist Church is known for shouting hateful things at people. And uh, but uh, one concern is that I know part of Westboro Baptist Church's uh, fundraising strategy, from what I've heard, is to try to get uh, people to attack them, and then they sue the people who attack them. Really? Yeah, it's happened a couple times where they, you know, they. Say these insults after insults, and finally someone in the crowd gets mad and shoves them or you know punches them, and then they sue them.
1: Man, we should do that. (laughs) Well, it works for Rush Limbaugh, so like I mean,
2: yeah, defamation lawsuits. Who should we?
1: I mean, it's. I mean, we've been trying to go after the Kong, (laughs) King Kong, King Kong. (laughs) So hey there, King Kong. We don't like you. (laughs) You know, I don't know. So, if you would like to know about uh, stuff that's happening during the RNC—that's the Republican National Convention—OccupyTampaBay.net. There's a lot of the alternative news is being reported there. So, what else we got? Let's see. Uh, What about uh, uh,
2: the GOP's uh, climate position? (laughs) There is one. Yeah. Let's see. Got something here. i uh, been wondering, you know, uh, what we were talking about King Kong just now. I wonder what the relationship is between King Kong's opinion
1: on uh, climate. Man, we, and, we're and doing it, the acronym. And like, <laughs> it's like, what, coal, oil, yeah, natural gas. No, coal, oil, nuclear, and gas. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're gonna, if we're going to use King Kong, we might every once in a while have to explain what it means, huh? Yeah. So our regular listeners will know. We are against King Kong.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But if they're tuning in late, they'll be like, well, that was an old movie. Why are they talking about, uh, you know, giant ape attacking uh, the Empire State Building? (laughs) But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's... uh, We can't... We still haven't figured out a way to uh, beam visual information over the radio. Uh, But we've been looking at how the Republican Party platform has changed on various issues. And uh, it is... Uh, there's a relationship between that and some of their funders, but some changes that have happened. Uh, the The GOP has actually, uh, in 1988, they recognized climate change, and then uh, in '92 they talked about uh, combating climate change.
1: Actually, funding to combat.
2: Yeah, actually funding it. it, not even just saying words about it, but funding, which you know is more than most politicians these days are saying. But then in 1996 and 2000, the party said they were uncertain suddenly about the role of humans. And then uh, in 2004, they committed to addressing climate change. Uh, But this was after they ended involvement in the Kyoto Protocol. And then in 2008, McCain talked about it. Uh, But then in 2012, it, it mentions climate only to mock Obama for considering it a security threat.
1: Yep, so um, what inspired this back and forth on their position? Well, we kind of have a theory. Using data from Open Secrets, we went back and looked at how the oil and gas industry has contributed to the Republican politics since 2000. And guess what? Based on how much money they got from the oil and gas industry, that's their position on (laughs) climate change. Ta-da!
2: Mystery solved. Yep. It's sort of like you know uh, like a vending machine and the, the more dollars you put in there, the higher uh, uh, the, the number goes.
1: So. Of course, in 2000 with Bush and oil Man Cheney on the ballot, the oil and gas industry was a very heavy contributor. And so you know, in 2000, facing a Democrat running on a green jobs platform, Um, Contributions tick up despite ambivalence on climate. Hmm. So anyway. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. Now, we can't, you know, yeah, we, uh, as I was just about to say this myself, but it's also in the article. Correlation doesn't necessarily equal causality, but there is a clear correlation here. And it's definitely food for thought, like, what is the cause of this correlation?
1: Now, what is... It's quite
2: a coincidence that they pay this money to the Republicans, and then the Republicans decide to vote a certain way on policy. Yeah, it's
1: totally a coincidence.
2: <laughs> it could just be coincidence. It could be some third action, like aliens coming and like putting thoughts into the Republicans' heads. You never know.
1: Um, the Republicans are against immigration.
2: <laughs> so I've heard. This does remind me of a game, though, a wonderful, well, a very dark and depressing online game. <laughs> it's called Oligarchy. It's a flash-based game and basically you get to be the oil baron. Really? Yeah. And you get to do things like bribe the politicians and uh you know this basically you get to decide how villainous you want to be. You can really be like a supervillain and destroy the entire planet or you can try to be more moderate and uh make a profit without uh, hurting anyone.
1: I like doing good things, so I think I'll play that game online just to get my my what <laughs> my destructive tendency out of the way, right? Yeah. It's like and then in the real life, I'll be good. Okay.
2: Yeah. So. And part of what it illustrates is that the, the way you can be the most harmful in the game is by corrupting the elections, by funding uh, them with money, and by boosting oil addiction. You know, so because we let our society boost oil addiction and corrupt the politicians, that's where we run into problems.
1: All right. Now, so far, we really don't know what Mitt Romney's position on climate change is at all. I mean, there really is a mystery. I mean, he hasn't talked about it at all, so we have no idea.
2: Yeah, he is a man of mystery. <laughs> and I want to mention, too, that, you know, next week when the Democrats have their convention, we'll put just as much uh, attention on them, too. Don't worry.
1: Well, it's been kind of <laughs> harder to make fun of the Democrats because, I don't know, they've been kind of sane. <laughs> no, we'll see.
2: We'll see how it goes. Well, I'll be ready for a cl- uh, climate-related review of the Democrats next week. All right. I don't, I don't think they'll come out squeaky clean,
1: either. It's like. Five Ways the GOP's New Platform Fails the Environment. That's right. The Republican Party just approved its 2012 platform at its national convention, and predictably, it includes some decidedly anti-environment directives. So, I, prevent, <laughs> I present yeah. you and try to prevent you. <laughs> anyway, stop the EPA, the Environmental Protection Platform, from addressing climate change. From the GOP platform text, quote, We call on Congress to take a quick action to prohibit the EPA from moving forward with greenhouse gas regulations that would harm the nation's economy and threaten millions of jobs over the next quarter century. Liberty must remain the core energy behind America's environmental improvement. Hmm. Number two, bring on the coal. Coal is a low-cost and abundant energy source with hundreds of years of supply. We look forward to the private sector's development of new state-of-the-art coal-fired plants. I am paraphrasing. If you like the detailed, please email info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and I will send you our complete newsletter.
2: Yes. And yep. the next point is uh, approving Keystone XL. Uh, he The the quote, it says right there, we are committed to approving the Keystone XL pipeline.
1: Ban Agenda 21. This might take a little explaining. The GOP is now officially united in rejecting Agenda 21, a decades-old, entirely non-binding sustainability initiative signed by George H.W. Bush. So we strongly uh, reject the UN Agenda 21 as erosive of American sovereignty. So,
2: <laughs> yes, and they want to also end high-speed rail and Amtrak funding.
1: And so. yeah, all right. I don't think we have to editorialize anything on those.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, we're just presenting information. You can do what you will with that information about uh, ending high-speed rail and banning Agenda 21 and improving Keystone XL. You can draw your own conclusions.
1: All right, let's give you a solution. Um, I just went to a climate change conference, um, the Climate Reality Leadership Corps, last week in um, California. It was the first time the training wasn't in Nashville. And um, one of the things they really talked about was reality, reality, reality. Yeah,
2: climate reality.
1: And if anybody does have any questions about climate, I actually have a straight-line connection to – I forget how many now. It's like 150 climate scientists or just scientists, period. Anything to do with climate, Yeah, it can be – Um, soil it can be rain it can be the ocean they have 150 scientists who have volunteered to answer any questions for the media industry or you know um, people who have been trained as um, part of the climate reality core yeah Um, which is really cool
2: because part of what the media does sometimes is the opposite it's like not really look at or talk about the science i just say non-scientific things to try to yep. confuse people
1: and they call themselves the climate uh rapid response team yeah otherwise known as climate ninjas <laughs> so if you have a question so let's do a solution like solution ninjas otherwise known as a soul ninja right <laughs> yeah solution ninja 15 green projects for under $500 number 7 create a rain garden for most people, rain runoff is a problem. With a rain garden, it becomes an amenity. Instead of diverting your gutter water into a storm drain where it picks up motor oil and other urban crud, you can channel it into a low spot on your property planted with bushes, grasses, and other trees that are getting their feet wet. So, yeah. I actually have a cypress tree so in my low spot. So, yeah. All right. We better get on to the happenings here.
2: Happenings.
1: It's like Um, Today happens to be Love Litigating Lawyers Day. (laughs) I actually said that, so pretty good. Um, It's the anniversary of the death of Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales. (laughs) So, all right. Yes, let's
2: see. Some other, see if there's any other particularly exciting holidays coming up. Uh, Wednesday is Be Late for Something Day. So uh, you should celebrate that one on Thursday. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: all right a new uh local organic gardening initiative of carbondale called logic every friday from 2 to 4 p.m they're going to have fun in the field fridays you can come learn to come learn dig weed meet new friends and take in the fresh air everyone is welcome and it's out uh pleasant hill road and you can just go on uh, like them on facebook it's the local organic gardening initiative of carbondale
2: yes so. that sounds like a good time so let's see some other happenings going on we've got uh the open mic nights uh the theme this week for open mic night at guy house is welcome They're welcoming uh, as we did at the beginning of this uh, episode of your community spirit welcoming the new and returning students and faculty and staff and all the community members who are coming back So uh, it's uh, tonight at 6 p.m., Gaia House Interfaith Center. Open mic
1: night. Also at Gaia House Interfaith Center, Rice and Spice International Slow Food Dinner. Tonight's theme is Sikh Feast. There is only one that I know of, Sikh family in the area, and they're going to showcase their food and their culture, you know, a celebration of Sikh culture and... um, It views all beings as equal regardless of sex, race, or religion. So here's some good, delicious food prepared by a local Sikh family and shared with the entire community. Um, Slow Food Dinner is every Friday. Rice and Spice International Slow Food Dinner. EatRiceAndSpice.com
2: Yes, and also coming up tonight is Salsa Dancing. Uh, after the Rice and Spice Dinner, they have Salsa Dancing uh, with uh, lessons at 9 p.m. and the dancing uh, beyond that starts at 10 p.m. So Salsa Dancing, Gaia House, and your Faith Center tonight.
1: On Wednesdays at 9 a.m. at the Gaia House, morning yoga basics for women, Wednesdays, 9 a.m. Yes.
2: All right, then on, on Thursdays, they have the Interveg Vegetarian Potluck, and they're actually talking about turning that into a cooking club, like people can cook together and learn about vegetarian food. Uh, some Oh, yeah, other happenings coming up in the community, the Friday night fair, every Friday, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion at the corner of Illinois and Maine in Carbondale.
1: Also today, which happens to be Friday, International Coffee Hour, Fridays from 3 to 5 p.m., Mixed with people from all over the world in the Northwick's Annex Building B. That's International Coffee Hour. Saturdays, the Farmer's Market, 8 until noon. And then the Vigil for Peace from noon until 1 p.m. The Farmer's Market is on the west side of town. The Vigil for Peace is downtown at the corner of Maine and Illinois at the Pavilion. The Vigil for Peace is sponsored by the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois.
2: Yes, all right, I've also got an energy debate coming up, uh, not this Saturday, but uh, the following Saturday, September 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Carnale Town Square Pavilion. They will be having a debate about energy. Uh, let's see.
1: Uh, and yeah. On, for more information on that, it's advancedenergy.siu.edu slash events. We'll try to make sure we announce it again next week. I yeah. thought it was actually this Saturday. So. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise... On Labor Day, which is Monday, right? Um, September 3rd. It's already September. Mm -hmm. National Rally for Change at the Town Square Pavilion from 10 until 12 noon. The largest women's rights movement in decades is coming to Southern Illinois. A monumental uprising is on the horizons. Thousands of men, women, and children will gather on September 3rd as part of a national movement. These rallies are being hosted in over a hundred major cities. Guess what? Carbonell, major city. This mm-hmm. is for Improving Births National Relay r- Relay National Rally for Change on Labor Day. Let's see. There's a lot of information about it. You can go to ImprovingBirth.org for more information about it. Despite the dire situation, this is not a protest. It is a public awareness campaign to bring attention to the outdated practice that have been proven time and time again to be not what is best for mothers and babies. Ina May Gaskin, midwife and Right Livelihood Award winner says, quote, we need medical practice standards at both the federal and the state level that would address C-sections performed without medical justification Ensure that more mother-friendly births and fewer medical innovations during labor, end quote. This is just one of the six steps that Gaskin believes is essential in obtaining better maternal health care. For more information, improvingbirth.org, the National Rally for Change, Labor Day, 10 till noon. All right. I guess that's it. Yep. We'll see you again on the radio next week. Yourcommunityspirit.org.
2: Yes. Enjoy your week.